Welcome to another episode of the Property Nomads podcast. And today, delighted to be joined by Rachel Onnington. Uh, Rachel has a plethora of experience within the property industry. And we're going to have a wide ranging chat because we're singing from the same hymn sheet. Really, the approach that Rachel has and that we have here as well is to encourage people to get into property, speak about why they should be getting into property, uh, specifically the buy to let area. So that's going to be the key focus of today's episode. But a little bit more about Rachel. She has a lot of experience within property. Uh, she's worked for independent family run agencies, corporate agencies, she's part of the senior management team for Sarah Beanie's online estate agency. Uh, and she's worked doing sourcing and, and project managing as well. She bought her first house when she was 19 as she runs her own estate agency business. And her main passion, big passion, is helping first-time buyers get onto the property ladder. So we're going to dispel some myths around that today. Uh, Rachel, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, looking forward to this. We're having a bit of a laugh off-air, weren't we? Because <laughs> yeah. we had a wee chat, and um, I don't like to make assumptions of where people are, are from, but those uh a bit more in tune would uh, probably have established that you, know, you are from Essex. I am indeed, for my sins. <laughs> no, no, I love Essex. <laughs> no, it, it's all good. So, yeah, never assume where someone's from. Always ask and have to be a bit more blasé about it. But um, That's no, probably even, a top podcast tip. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Never, <laughs> never make assumptions. But... Uh, no, really looking forward to this. Um, th- there's a lot we're going to talk about. Um, specifically, what I didn't mention in the intro is that, and hopefully you don't mind me saying that you have a you have a daughter who is potentially looking at getting sort of started or involved in property or or yeah. just buying her own residence. And of course, as that is nowadays, it might be a lot tougher for people of that age than it was X amount of years ago. So we'll touch on that in due course. Um, but no, thank you for taking the time out to, to be part of the show. Is there anything I missed out in the introduction that you wanted to add at all? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I am a landlord myself. I've got um, rental properties that um, obviously the single let properties that we rent out. Um, and yeah, I'm a big advocate of one, helping people, first of all, get on the property ladder. And then when they're looking to make that first step, I think something that lots of people don't realise they can do is... The, the let to buy and actually if you can afford to do it or you've maybe met somebody and you you then buying a house together you can actually rent your first property out and still be able to buy another property and there's so many times I'm showing second time buyers around properties and they they don't know that so that's another um a good angle of even once you've got on the property ladder actually getting into the property investment side of things as well. Well, let, well, let's start there then, because that's quite a fascinating way to open the show. So do, for those that might not know that that is a thing, um, yeah, let's go into that in more detail. So, so we're talking about someone that might be, that might own their own home, but then might want yep. to buy another one, but then might still be able to keep their original. Is that the right end of the stick I've got? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a sort of a similar to um, a buyer to, to let mortgage, although I don't practice as a mortgage advisor at all. I have done my CMAP qualification that you need to be a mortgage advisor. And that was one of the things that I sort of asked additional questions around. And as well as getting that first mortgage that I was particularly interested in, it was how to increase your property investment 
once you're on the property ladder because say people just assume you you go up up and up you get a bigger property you do this you do that and actually there's more shrewd if you like there's other ways of, of doing that and increasing your um property and still get buying a bigger property but you use your mortgage and you use the equity that you'd have got in your current home or your first home to then let that out get an income in on that and then buy your your next property so why do you think uh, we're going to play devil's advocate now why do you think that people don't think about that is it because it might be a knowledge gap there or do you think it's something else they might not consider a hundred percent as i'm sure we'll, we'll go on to talk about it later but i think there's a massive massive knowledge gap initially in buying your first property i think in a, in and around property at all unless your property sourcing i think there's a lot of education out there some good some bad and um, that's a, sort of a contra- controversial subject in, in the industry but um, around property sourcing and and using your property knowledge to to get make money out of property that way but actually you don't have to be a property sourcer to make money out of property um you can you can look at these other ways and that's where there's no education at all. You're not taught that in schools, how to get on the property ladder or how to use your, the equity that you've got in your house, use your property as leverage to then build an investment and build an, an additional um, income, a side income. I, I'm not saying that letting is necessarily an easy income because sometimes it definitely isn't an easy income, um, but it's still an, an additional income stream. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think you're taught that anywhere. There, there's nowhere that you can go to learn that. Well, I think it's fair to say that in general, that financial education I mean, I don't remember doing any financial education at school, period. So mm-hmm. that is a massive gap there in, in mm-hmm. the market. And I think that, or in, sorry, in the education system, I should say. And from my point of view, it's it's one of those things where there, there should be elements of that, that where well, there's two sides to the argument, isn't there? Number one, the, the one argument would be, well, that should be taught in, in schools, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I agree then I'm sure you're going to have the more uh, sinister side of it, where actually, if we look at the the general scheme of things macroeconomically, I'm sure the government wants people to go in, get educated, pay their income tax, pay the national insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because ultimately that's what's funding the coffers. So I guess, yeah, I'm just trying to sort of try and be as neutral yeah, as possible. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my biggest thing, and, and I don't ever, I'm massive advocate for getting first-time buyers on the property ladder and to get help people getting into investing properties. But my biggest thing is choice. Actually, sometimes it's, it's better for somebody to rent a property. If you're going to be moving for a job and you're going to be living there six months, why would you buy a house when you're going to live in a town for six months for your job and then move out again? Or Mm -hmm. if you want to test the waters before you move, buy a house together and you want to rent for a year. So everything has its place. The biggest, and it's just the choice. And without education, you don't have a choice because you don't know what your choices are. And I think that's my biggest advocate, trying to get people information out there so people have a choice of what they want to do rather than we've got to follow this line like you say you've got to to get your job you've got to pay this you've got to do that it, mm. it doesn't have to be that line it, it's the fact that there is other choices 
that might be the right path for you. And just buying a property and increasing your size of your property and what you do and the asset that you live in. Um, well, obviously, not everybody necessarily classes their own home as an asset. That's a, again, <laughs> again, another. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a choice and if you don't have that information and you don't have that education you don't have a choice and there's not really many industries or many paths that you can say there's that lack of education that people wouldn't have a a freedom of choice yeah it's a very good way of putting it actually I hadn't hadn't quite thought about it like that um yeah very good point you you, you stumped me that much I haven't even sorry <laughs> yes. No, no, it's, it's good. Well, it's, I mean, this is a conversational sort of episode anyway. There's no mm. pre-planned questions as such. Um, yeah, I guess I guess on that. So, how in terms of the information that people need, then, from from your point of view, you know, you've got a training course, and um, you know, you put a lot of great content out there on social media. Anyway, so I should point that out to people uh, that you do do that, which is great. What do you what do you think people are missing? Is it is it just that knowledge? Are they missing? I don't know I don't really know what I'm trying to say but I'll leave it at that what do you think people are missing at the moment well I think it's I think it's twofold really I think it's the whole actual buying process because generally when I see first-time buyers or or people buying their first buy-to-let property first-time buyers if they're parents with all the best will in the world try and help them they're giving them giving them advice and then when they come and speak to me and say, oh, my mum and dad said this differently, but their mum and dad bought 20 years ago was the last time they bought a house and and things have massively changed. So it's not even necessarily about a one-time education. It's about continuing that education because yes, 20 years ago, you could have a house on the market and you could bid 10,000 less and you'd make your way up and eventually you'd pay 5,000 less than asking price. That's not going to happen today. The chances are it's going to go over because it, that's the market that we're in right now. So it's about continually having something that when you're buying today, you can refer to and somebody who's buying in five or 10 years time can refer to something. It's updated and they can then refer to that because it, it changes all the time. And yeah, I don't think we we necessarily got that provision in place to not only give the education, but also keep up to date with it. Um because things do change so quickly just to add to that i think something that's quite useful and also crucial and i say this to a few people as well is we've all got we've all got 24 hours in a day i mean give or take there's obviously a bit of science out there that you know a day is <laughs> directly 24 hours it might be a second longer or slow anyway that's that's a different podcast for a different time <laughs> we've all got 24 hours in a day so you know regardless of whether you've got a nine to five job or you know maybe you've got you know, shift work etc 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 we've all got we've all got spare time now regardless of what you may or may not think we've all got spare time so what you do in that spare time you know that that is a choice so guess what i'm trying to say is yes you know things things change and again we'll go into a couple of examples yep. in, in a bit but definitely what what doesn't change is the sort of stupidity of politicians which then will affect all the stupidity of bankers or the greed of bankers i should say that then affects macroeconomics which affects geopolitics which results in things like the global financial crash crisis of late 2007 2008 and and onwards um, all the stuff we're going through I, i'm just going to say 
from 2020. So various things have, <laughs> yep. have been happening. There's so, too much to list. <laughs> exactly. But I think what I'm trying to say is that there's always going to be some sort of cycle. And the signs are always, I'm not going to say they're always going to be the same because that's not the case. But there are underlying factors that do exist. And yes, that information is out there. Yes, people have a duty like yourself, myself, to provide as much information as we can. But people also, if they're interested in something, they'll go and study it. So I, th- I think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. It would be yeah. personal opinion there. Yeah, I think my my only sort of, not argument, but my only counter, counter argument, I guess, against that would be that I think society has got a bit of a role to play in what you're told you believe. And I think a lot of people are told, you can't get on the property. Oh, it's too hard these days. Oh, the youngsters these days will never get on the property ladder. You'll never be able to afford to buy a house. And say, my daughter's 20. Um, she's got friends that are at university. Some go to work, some all, all different professions. And, and the, But the one common denominator is they believe, without they've not done any research, they've not done anything on it, but they believe they can't get on the property ladder. They believe they'll never be able to afford a house. And because that's just, it's out there. That That's what's out there. That's And, and it, is, it is a common, anyone over a certain age goes, oh, no, youngsters will never be able to get on the property ladder these days. And they believe it. Yeah, on, on that, I think, as, as you say, that that's where, again, I'll try not to go off on an absolute tangent, but that's where it <laughs> has a big role to play. Because mm. the some of the some of the shit that we're force fed is yeah not even gonna get started up some of the crap we're force fed is unbelievable but the point that you're making is something i completely agree with is if you are continually told something and it's going to be ingrained into your system then of course that's probably going to turn into a belief at some point isn't it and that's probably the angle that we're coming from here yeah yeah and say i've had a few people that are say from my daughter sort of being friends with them that they've then followed my Instagram and the information that were put out on there that I was like I never knew that and we had done a post and was talking about um a uni mortgage so that you can buy a property say a four-bed property while you're at uni they base it on the rent you're almost like a, a landlord straight away the rent you can get from sharing that with your friends pays your mortgage and when you finish your uni degree you the get a normal mortgage or you sell that and you then you're then on the property ladder I was like didn't would never ever have known that was out there and I'd I'd never even think to look into what type of mortgage could I get a uni because I just thought I'll never Mm. be able to get a house while I'm at uni because that's just what I thought (laughs) so I think it's yeah it's trying to get the two together and say they wouldn't if they hadn't have been friends with my daughters they wouldn't have necessarily seen that information on my Instagram because it's a property Instagram account and at 20 if you think you can't buy a house you don't look at property Instagram yeah 100 100% absolutely true the okay so well now you've mentioned sort of your daughter and 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 her friends Mm. um let's let's sort of go into that And, and again caveat for people listening I don't have kids so I'm not able to attack this from an angle of well you know my child etc I don't have kids Rachel, of course you do. So what what sort of things do you hear quite a lot? And then how would you say, um, I guess basically what I'm trying to say is what, what's what's the issue and then what's the solution to it? Um, is it moving to a different part of the country? Is it a uni mortgage, like you say? Uh, give us some examples and just explain as much as you can to help 
put things into perspective? I guess I think it comes back to um, my 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 main slogan, and that's choice. Actually, for um, somebody who maybe is training or um, becoming a nurse or a doctor or a policeman or fireman, there is a mortgage for you. They're, they're specifically designed for um, uh, service workers. There are mortgages for people who have um, recently qualified accountants, um, solicitors, that sort of thing. So there are mortgages for, there are mortgages for most things or there's help. So if you can't afford, if you need a the first time buyer is getting older and older. Um, there, I think it fluctuates, but I think it's about 34 to 36 at the moment. Um, so if you, a lot of people have started their family before they buy their first house. So if you do, you can only afford a one bedroom flat and you need a two bedroom house because you've started your family, look at shared ownership, look at, because then you are only, you're only having to buy a percentage of that house. Um, there are there's so many different help to buy schemes as a first time buyer there I don't think that I've not done that I've not done my completely but I don't think there's ever been as many options for a first time buyer as as there are now but yeah that's that's not um I haven't researched that before I've come on um that's my opinion in in my 20 odd years of being in the property um yeah working in property I personally don't think I've seen as many um, schemes and government schemes and lender schemes to try and help you buy your first house. You can pretty much might have to work, work on um, your credit score or different bits and pieces, but within a couple of years of looking, you you can buy your own house. And uh, caveat is probably not even the right word. Um, I guess for those that are listening to this that might not be too au fait with the general geography of, of the UK, so you're, you're in Essex, so that I'm just going to call it southeast. I'm going to be blasé about it. Mm. You're, in, yeah. you're in the southeast. Uh, I'm recording this from Brighton, so I mean, you're again, southeast, right, pretty much as far south as you could possibly, well, <laughs> roughly go in the UK. So I remember having this uh, debate with friends before, uh, when I finished university and then also in the last five years, where most people born in and around the southeast, a couple born in the southwest, and I've lived in Hull for four and a half years. Cracking place, thoroughly enjoyed it, and had no issue with relocation, not, not a problem at all. But the minute you seem to mention going north to someone that's from the southeast, it's almost like, you know, what the hell are you talking about, mate? I, I ain't going up north, but actually... From an affordability point of view, let's just say you are a, a trained accountant or you've got your CMAP like like you have. Yep. Actually, hang on a minute. If you're earning X amount down south and you know your rent's high or your mortgage is high or whatever, well, if you go and say move to, I don't know, let's just pick a place at random, Newcastle. Well, actually, hang on a minute. Your purchasing power suddenly increased by quite a lot. Great city, great nightlife, uh, lovely people. Um, and it becomes more affordable even if you do or it should become more affordable even if you might have a slight reduction in your in your salary do you think I think we're finding I'm sorry yeah I was was gonna say I'm rambling away but do you find that with the people that you speak to if a lot of people are southeast based that in fact they're just not looking at other parts of the country because they don't want to 
Yeah, I definitely think there has been a stigma around sort of moving moving to cheaper areas. And I think when you say, I guess, I guess it's not just in property, I guess with anything, when someone says it's cheaper, they automatically assume it's an inferior, something's inferior because it's cheaper. Um, it sort of goes hand in hand. That's not necessarily the case. The only thing I was going to say, I would have 100% of, that was 100% the case before 2020. Now, I think we've seen so much um, working from home and um, people don't necessarily need to be in London to earn London wages anymore. So you can get a much bigger property outside of the southeast, if you like, um, you can get a bigger property, you're still earning those wages because you're still working, you're still doing the same job effectively, you're just doing it from home. And worst case, you, you've got a day or two that you're you're going to have a bit of a longer commute. But yeah, that you are seeing people more so now than ever before, I, I think, because I think there was a stigma attached to that. And people, particularly in London, you find it even with first time buyers, because they're li- living and working that city life, they want a city pad and they can't necessarily afford a city pad um so it's like oh we're moving out like we, we've got to move out because we can't afford it whereas I say now I think people are realizing well if we're still going to earn that money but we need to have a home office we might as well move out get that bigger house have a n- nicer lifestyle in some cases and yeah and and still have that benefit a bigger house and and still have the benefit of being able to work from home yeah it's, it's about how it's about how you think about it and and realize that as you've said quite rightly nothing nothing's impossible here everything's mm. everything's completely possible it's about having the knowledge also i'd say knowing the right people having a good team around you yeah That's definitely mm. I, and i think um i think that's where the um as a parent, obviously, I it's an industry I've grown up with. My daughter said to me, luckily that's my husband's show, but if my daughter said to me, come and have a look at a car with me, should I buy this car? I wouldn't have a clue whether she should buy that car or not <laughs> because I know zero about cars. But when it comes to houses and how she should buy her first house, we, as soon as she was 18, we said, right, come on, get a credit card, which... All her friends were absolutely horrified at the fact that her mum had told her to get a credit card when she was 18. I said, if you don't start building your credit score now, when you do want to buy a house, you're not going to have a credit score. So let's start. And she uses it as a fuel card, buys her fuel, pays it off at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And now it shows her it shows her good credit. And now she's 20 and she's got a good credit rating, whereas a lot of her friends have no credit rating because they've they've never they've never done it. And they then go and get something silly rather than <laughs> go and get big credit on something silly rather than do it do it sensibly so it's about one what to do and two how to do it most effectively um mm. and say if if you aren't as a parent I, I I would have to get somebody to help her look for a car because I wouldn't know what I was looking for and I think as a parent you think how am I going to help them get a house and because we bought 20 years ago it's definitely different and you have your stories everybody has a story oh my nan bought her house for five thousand pounds and my mum and dad bought their house for 120 we've got a four bedroom detached we live in and they paid 120 for it 
30 years ago, which you say is great, but that doesn't help them now. They're now thinking, oh, my God, I can't, I can't do it because there, there's no houses for that price anymore. And, yeah, I, I just as much as people have good intentions, no one, everybody wants to help their child. No one thinks, oh, well, we won't help them. Um, but I think it's that they don't know how as well. And I think that there's an education that side to be had as well. It's not just, I think, I get as many parents message me through my Instagram um, asking for help. How can they help their child or their child's done this or their child's got this? How can they, what can they do next to be able to buy a house? Maybe it's just because they, they want to get rid of them a bit quicker. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I get, I get just as many messages from parents as I do first-time buyers, which I think is amazing for, for parents. But um, yeah, it just goes to so they don't have that education either. Moving on to inflation. So this is something that's, again, at the time of recording, is quite rife. The reasons why it's rife are, again, I mean, that could be a whole podcast series in itself as to how, why things are as they are. Um, again, you could sort of sit on either end of the spectrum and say, oh, you know, mm-hmm. no one can see it coming versus, oh, actually, hang on a minute, there's some serious stuff going on <laughs> behind the scenes that people have, you know, planned, et cetera, et cetera. But point being, with, with inflation, uh, of course, that increases the uh, price of things, um, you know, yep. assets, food, whatever it might be. Uh, also, um, obviously, because it takes away purchasing power, it's like the ultimate stealth tax ever invented, uh, inflation. Um, so with inflation at the moment quite rife, uh, that's pushing pushing prices up. Do you think that that's why younger people or people that are looking to maybe buy their first investment property or buy their first home. Do you think they're they're looking at all this stuff we're getting from the news and it just seems like it's Armageddon and what's the point? I'm not, they've defeated themselves before they've even started. Is that something you come across across quite regularly? Yeah, definitely. And say I I am, for my sins, I am on Instagram a lot and, and post a lot on there. And I think everything you see is, how much more a property's gone up, how much an area has gone up in the last month. Year to date, the property market's gone up X percent. Year to date, and month to date, this time last month, you could get it for this, and this time this month, you can get it for that. And and I think they're the headlines, and that that is, I'm not saying that they're false. I, mean, I don't doubt that they're, they're true, but it's not the whole story. Um, like I say, there's there's a lot more schemes and things out there now than there ever has been. There's a lot more help. But also, I know it has gone up slightly, but we've got the interest rate is so low that actually what you're borrowing, the, the interest rate on what you're borrowing, I spoke to, the, say, when, when you're out speaking to people, some of the interest rates that people got their mortgage on, they might have paid next like a, a low amount or what you assume is a low amount for their property but their interest rate was so high that they they actually paid back loads more than they paid for their property mm. because of their interest rate um and yeah it, it's only in but I say they've not got that issue now and I say I'm not saying it's it's the same I don't I think it probably is harder now for a few different factors but only marginally high, harder. I just think it's different. And I think people perceive different as harder. And it, mm. it's different to what you could do 20 years ago. It's different to what you could do 10 or even 30. Either It's different. It's not necessarily 
loads harder or loads easier. It's just different. So let's let's explore that then. So and again, just going to work with your experience here, not not mine. I literally don't know what I was doing twenty years ago. To be brutally honest, <laughs> probably watching some form of sport and <laughs> I imagine. So when you said that things are different from 20 years ago again drawing on your experience uh, we share some of the things that you've that are different and, and why they might be different um so I bought my first property in 2001 yeah 2001 I bought my first property we bought a bungalow that when you walked in you literally fell through the floor of the floorboards because they were rotten um So we completely had to, because that's what we could afford at the time. That's what we bought. And I think, again, there's probably a whole nother podcast, but I think the difference in society now, everybody is looking for an Instagram of already house that looks amazing. Um, And you can't necessarily afford that for your first house. It's it's called a property ladder for a reason. You, you start at the bottom and you work your way up. You don't jump to run five straight away. You're you're working your way up. Um, but we had the potential then to make good money on that by doing it up and then and then selling it. And I do appreciate that there was quite a lot around that time. That was the um, sort of a doer upper time, if you like. And lots of people were doing that to, to make. Um, money on their property um but I think there is still that opportunity now again it's just different so you're looking at your up-and-coming areas so many areas are having a big load of money injected into them look and find properties in those areas that actually you don't even have to do the work to the property it took us months of blood, sweat and tears to get that property how it was. Actually, you don't have to do that to your property because they're doing it to the area and just that area coming up is going to add value to your property. So it's just about, uh, I guess, thinking outside the box on how to get started. Uh, I spoke to a guy the other day. He said, oh, my friend also, he was viewing a property. He's like, oh, I just... I just don't think I'm going to be able to do. I want really want something closer to work, blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, a guy in my office is looking as well. I've given him your number. I was like, so if you're both looking for something that you can't afford, why are you not looking together mm. to put, pull, pull your resources, pull your resources, buy something together? And worst case, even if it is a little bit further out, you can carpool to work. There you go. You've got, you've got that's a, another way that you can sort of save money on it. And set that up for a certain amount of time. And then if you buy right in the right area or you you add value to that property, when you come to your deal finishing in two or three years' time, however long you're planning to have this set up, you can then both afford the property that you want. So it, it is just about thinking outside the box, I guess. And, yeah, thinking outside the box is different now than it was 20 years ago. I can, uh, yeah, I can, I can well imagine. Uh, absolutely, I think all I would, all I would add to that is that although that might have changed to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, the fundamentals haven't. Mm. Not at all. Not at all. So yeah, it's everything you've just said. You know what's going on in the area. You know, is there a lot of um, 
you know, outside investment going in, maybe there's a new train station being built or new connections, is it close to an airport or whatever it may or may not be, then, you know, that always helps. And that sort of level of analysis, I, I, you know, I'd be confident in saying that's probably been around for thousands of years. It, it has and yet nobody has that education scary you are you, you ask a 22 23 year old where how are you going to look at buying a property in an up-and-coming area they look at you blank they they, do, they don't know how they're going to do that but like you say it's been around forever that hasn't changed that that's still always been there but they don't know it it's it's crazy <laughs> yeah it, it is and it's i think in to give some balance on on the conversation is is you did touch upon this at the start that actually sometimes although we're both very passionate about adding value and getting people onto the ladder etc cetera, etc cetera, yet sometimes depending on your circumstances or depending on your outlook in life and what you want actually do you know what sometimes it is perfectly okay to not want to be on said ladder mm-hmm. and it's perfectly acceptable if you don't want to invest in property I'm sure that's a stance that you and I would probably not always agree with because, you know, we're advocates of the bricks and mortar. Of course we yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. It's perfectly acceptable not to want to get on the ladder if you want to do a, a lot of travelling or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think 100%. I mean, that I'm I'm a landlord. I I definitely always want there to be a, a market for rentals. That, that's, part, that's part of my passive income. I'd say not necessarily easy. I'm going with passive, not easy income. Yeah. But... So, yeah, I always want there to be a place for rentals. And, again, it just comes back to choice. Some people don't want the responsibility of having to maintain a house. Some people want the freedom that if they wanted to, they could give two months' notice and they could move to the other side of the country. They've not got to sell up and go through all that rigmarole of doing that. And some people want to try different areas. Like I say, some people want to go travelling and come back. It's... It's not necessarily everybody's life path, which I think goes back to your point of we're trained to think that we've got to do this and then do this, then do this. And and that's not necessarily the case. The same as you can diversify your property, you can diversify the fact that you don't don't want to and it, it, it is a choice. There are things that I definitely think oh that's interesting to invest in that but I know nothing about it and if in all honesty I'm I'm a busy person I know nothing about it so I invest in property because I know property but there might be people out there that really know crypto or really into something else and they go actually I would rather invest my money in that and and rent my house so it's all it's all down to the individual, but the, the biggest thing is that somebody has the choice. Um, I listened to, uh, I think I read it somewhere the other day, that somebody said there was a percentage, a high percentage of renters that were unhappy with, with renting, and people assume that they're unhappy with their landlord or they're unhappy with their property or they're, un- they're unhappy with something about their rental and it's not that necessary they're unhappy that they are a renter they don't want to be a renter they want to own their own house so I think if that's their choice and they want to own their own house they should be given the education and the tools that they can put a plan in place and do that 
couldn't agree more. You should you should be able to have you should be able to have the choice, and you know it's not always it's not always easy. Life isn't designed to be easy. We're, by any stretch of the imagination, it's not designed to be easy. But if you've got, and I found this with um, my flatmate that I used to to live with. Now I'm, I'm an advocate of of renting. I'm not just saying that because I'm you know a business partner and I landlords. I'm quite happy renting as well, to be perfectly honest. Why? Because if something goes wrong, chances are if you've got a good rapport with said landlord, landlady, chances are, you know, that's going to be right. It's like having a lease car. Love having a lease yeah. car. No issues. Forget a burst tyre, boom, straight off to the garage. I'm not having to think about credit card, this credit, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So that was the angle that I was I was coming from. And you know, my my ex-flatmate, uh, you know, lovely, lovely woman. She's hell-bent on getting her own home. Uh, and why is that? Well, she wants to do very... I'll, I won't explain what she wants to do. Well, she wants to, you know, she had a little 10, 20-year goal. This is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to get started. Mm-hmm. You know, my mortgage at the end of the day is going to be less than my rent, so I'm saving, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm hoping by the time this episode goes out, that she would have ended up purchasing her, her home and, and fair play to her because she's uh, got that strategy. To put her mind to it, say, you know, done the, what I would call the typical work hard, save hard, quite frugal with her spending. Yep. And, and I took a great advice from mortgage broker, you, you know, credit cards as well, like you mentioned, start building that, score up, etc. So I'm hoping by the time this episode goes out, she would have, she would have got that. You know, do I necessarily agree with it 100 percent No, but then my mind is thinking about other things. But for her, it works, and she would have gone out and achieved what she set her mind to. So it's not yeah. impossible, um, as you say. It is down to that choice. And would you say to people that when they're thinking about this sort of thing, you know, we're not saying come out with your, you know, life plan for the next 50, 60 years. But yeah. would you say it's important to have some idea of what you're trying to achieve in the first place? Yeah, I think so. And and trying to get some education around that. Um, we I spoke to a, a couple um who actually renting is working for them. They wanted to buy their own house, they couldn't afford it. So I said, okay, so we looked at different options um of what they could afford, and they could afford a, a one-bedroom flat. They wanted a two-bedroom house, they had a baby on the way. So they bought the one-bedroom flat. They rent that one bedroom flat out and then they rent themselves a two bedroom house because that's what works for them because they they wanted to own a property. They couldn't own what they needed. So it's, again, thinking outside the box and looking at your choices of what you can do. So they they are property owners because they and landlords because they rent their flat out, but they also rent. And Again, I think people don't necessarily see that as an option. You don't just have to buy the house that you're living in. You can buy a house and, let's say, buy a smaller house that you can afford, rent it out, and then you rent the house that's big enough for you. Um, so, yeah, again, it is just its choice each time. Yeah, no, I love it. I think that's a, probably a very good place to end, to be honest, Rachel. I think that's very, very poignant. Um, just before we wrap up and before sort of explain how people can get hold of you and get in touch with you, apart from the word choice, if you had to summarise what we've just spoken about, uh, maybe give a couple, you know, I don't know, two or three top tips as such, 
what would you say to people that are looking to either buy their first, well, what would you say to people that are looking to buy their first property in whatever capacity they're looking to buy it? I think get some education um, where in whatever form suits you, but get some education around that so you don't just necessarily follow that one path or give up because you think you can't follow that one path. There are other options out there. So that's always my, my biggest tip. And again, I, I guess education, it comes down to the same sort of thing. Do your research when it comes to mortgages, when it comes to looking at your house, when it comes to looking at your area, when it comes to look at where you can add value that's going to benefit you further down the line. And, and that would take me on to my last one, I guess, would be don't necessarily think short term, do think long term. So if you can't afford the property that you want right now, buy yourself, buy a property that somebody else is going to want to live in or that in when you want to sell it in two years time it's going to be appealing to lots of people so you can easily sell and add value to that and then move on to what you can do so yeah look at look at the bigger picture rather than just the immediate future great stuff i, I echo sorry that was a lot of stuff <laughs> no no it's, it's, it's all about adding value I, I would echo every single word of that uh, the thing i'd add to that if i may is to make sure as and when you're doing all that have a great team around you as well mm. to Yes, yeah, 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 so forth. Superb, uh, Rachel. That great, l- l- absolutely wonderful. Uh, people want to get hold of you to find out more uh, about yourself, your products, your services, and and the general information that you so wonderfully yep. do on Instagram. How do people find you? Um, I'm at, at All Things Property with Rach on Instagram. That's probably the the best you can find me there most of the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, my in, my inbox is very is very full because there are lots of people um, wanting to know that knowledge, which is amazing. Great stuff. And as usual, we'll put that into the show notes. So have head across to the show notes, go and uh, get in contact with Rachel. And, uh, yeah, absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much for your time and uh, happy happy investing and good luck helping your daughter. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing.